Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be looking at the first four verses of the sixth chapter this morning. It says here, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, may we settle in this morning as we gather around your word, Lord. May you feed us from your word this morning, Lord. May we set aside the affairs of this life, the things that we have coming up this week, and just enjoy this moment as believers uh, looking to be fed from your word this morning. Lord, I pray that we'll not rush out of here after the services, but we'll take time to enjoy that which this day is set to enjoy and to enjoy each other's fellowship after the morning service. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. What a wonderful Savior you are. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. We, we've still been looking at the Christian's walk. We've really have just been a, a long ongoing continuation of the believer's walk since we really entered into chapter four. But since we've been in chapter number five, we seen that believers ought to talk right. We seen the believers ought to walk right. We seen that believers should be a light in the dark world. Last week we seen that believers should have outstanding marriages. But now Paul takes us to another aspect. Paul takes us to the home. He said believers are not only to have outstanding marriages, but he presents to us what a believer should be like as a child, and he presents to us what a believer should be like as a parent. You see, being a child of God is deeper than living like a light when you're out in the dark world. Uh, being a child of God is, is bigger than how you, so to say, may treat your spouse. But in, in the public world, so to say, but Paul says believe, being a child of God, being a believer, ought to be manifested in every aspect of your life, all the way back to the home. It doesn't matter how much you are faithful to coming to church services if you're living like the world at home. It doesn't matter how much money you put in the offering plate if you're living like the world at home. So Paul brings us to the home. He'll deal with parents before this morning is up, but his central focus in the beginning of verse number one, he starts with children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, he just closed out chapter number five, dealing with husbands and wives, where we focused on the leaving process and the cleaving process that happens in the child's life when they leave their home and cleave unto their spouse. By the way, I don't think it is coincidental that 
Before Paul ever dealt with children, he dealt with marriages. This is the way in which God intended it. God intended that a man would leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. And through this bond, through this union, through this godly institution, forthcoming out of that would be children. So it makes sense that he starts with marriages first, but now we've arrived at children. Now he says, he's speaking to this, what I'll call a specified audience. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. He said, what I'm about to explain and what I'm about to say applies to children. Now, to understand what is this aspect of children, the Greek word that is used here is the Greek word technon. This applies to children who live under their parents' rooftop. Children obey your parents in the Lord. Even more, not only is this a specified audience, but he has a simple principle to children who are living in their parents' home. The simple principle is that you should obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. This is the right thing to do is to obey your parents. Now, obedience takes an acknowledgement and a submission and a recognition of authority. We said last week when we were speaking about wives, submit yourselves to your husband, that that word submit comes from the word uh, hapatuso. But the word here when he says children obey your parents in the Lord, it comes from the word hapaku, which means that it is that we are to, a child is to hearken to, that a child is to obey the commands of one. It is to obey one's authority. Now, I want you to see when Paul says this, that there is no preface here. There is no further explanation. Matter of fact, he ends this verse number one in a sentence. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right, period. There is no cause to be added here. I had an acquaintance when I was growing up, actually several acquaintances, but, and I probably even would confess to you that I felt this way even as a child, a lost child. But I had an acquaintance who had a stepmom, and he would say to me, I'm not listening to nothing that she says because she's not even my real mom, she is my stepmom. I had another friend who had a stepfather, and he would say, I'm not obeying him because he's not even my real dad. I got a dad. He's just my stepfather. Now, I bring this up because we had an intimate touch-in last week as we looked at what Paul called for husbands to be to their wives through the lens of what Christ is for the church. We reference Philippians chapter 2 and verses 5 through 11 in which Christ humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We took this as the footnote of how a husband should be for a wife. Now, even further, when we look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 1, and we say that children should obey their parents in the Lord, we should look to Christ as the example about how we should handle step-parents. If he is the example for marriage, then he should be the biblical basis for how we conduct ourselves with 
step-parents. Luke chapter 2 and verse 51, the Bible says that the Lord, when, when the Lord went down, he said, and he went, and he went down with them. Speaking of Mary and Joseph is the context of Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass that he was subject unto them. He was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. The Lord gives us the greatest example of what it means to be subject unto a step-parent. That we are to obey our parents in the Lord for this is right. Even if they are step-parents, I, I can assure you, you have no argument that the Lord would have had. His father was literally God. And yet when he entered humanity, he subjected himself unto the authority of his sinful earthly father. Because this was the right thing to do. So as we conduct ourselves and we think about maybe some of us have step-parents. Maybe some of us are experiencing step-parents right now. Just because your step-parent is a step-parent does not give you the right to treat them with disrespect. And just because your father may be a terrible father or your mother is a terrible mother, just because they fail to fulfill the position that God has given them to have over you doesn't give you the right to not fulfill the position that God has given to you as a believer, as a child. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Even more, we can say that this is God's righteous standard. This is his righteous order in the home. And when disorder begins to happen in the home, the home begins to collapse. When the home begins to collapse, the neighborhood begins to collapse. When the neighborhood collapses, the city collapses. When the city collapses, society collapses. But it all comes back to the home. I know you've probably seen this. I've seen it more than I even care to see down here at our own local Kroger's. Kids explaining to their mothers, where they can go, and how they can get there, screaming about what they're supposed to do as their parents. Whenever I see this kind of behavior, I have phantom pains, all right? I have PTSD of what would have happened to me in my life if I would have ever spoke to my mother like that. It would have been all downhill. But you know, when I see it now, you know, as a kid, when I was paddled, I thought about all the things that my friends got to do that I didn't get to do. I considered them privileged, but now I understand that this authoritative presence surrounding around God's word, I can now step back and say, I grew up in a privileged home. I really did. I grew up in a privileged home, not because of money, not because of toys, not because we had the, the greatest foods, but I grew up in a privileged home because I was constantly being reminded that no matter what problems we faced in life, we had the solution to all the problems, and that was Jesus Christ our Lord. 
I grew up in a home that was constantly being reminded that Jesus is the care for the dysfunction in this family. I'm thankful that I grew up in a home that was privileged to know that truth. I'm thankful that I didn't grow up in a home that when we faced problems, we looked to Marxism. I'm thankful that when we grew up in a home that when we faced problems, we, we didn't have to look to Krishna. I'm thankful that I wasn't raised up in a foreign country where they're still bowing down to idols and cutting themselves, looking for hope and help. Listen, just because we're saved and just because we have Christian homes doesn't exempt us from the affliction of Satan. But just because we don't have the possessions of the world, just because we don't have the assets of the world, according to Scripture, if you grew up in a home that was surrounded around the Word of God, you grew up in a privileged home. And that's a fact. Even more, I uh, was raised up, taught that the, the world can make a mess of the home. But just because someone else made a bad decision and made a misstep of the home, just because my father left the home, just because my father was gone, my mother didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, that God was not still God, that scripture was not still scripture, and that our hope was still in following the steps of the Lord. Even as a lost kid, I understood the, the natural law. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. The natural law was that I was to obey my parents. Even more, he says, for this is right. But look what he does here in verse number one. He ends with a period. I feel that Verse number two is inclusive, while verse number one is, so to say, exclusive, dealing specifically with technon children under the household of their parents. But in verse number two, it is inclusive. The reason it turns to be inclusive is because this same honor that's being dealt with is the same honor that Jesus is dealing with other adults when he combated the Pharisees. So he says here, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. You may think to yourself, well, what is the difference between verse number one and verse number two? When he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then we see verse number two, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What is the difference? Well, the difference is that obedience is an action and honor is an attitude. You see, I in my childhood had at times found myself obedient to my mother, but my attitude was terrible and I got whipped anyways. You can heed the instructions of your parents, but if you do it with the wrong attitude, you're going to find yourself in all kinds of trouble. So the Lord says, not only are you to obey your parents, but you're to honor them with the right attitude. You should have the right spirit about you. Paul here is quoting Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12 when he says, Honor thy father and mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And what is Paul reminding us here when he says that honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise? The promise is, is what? 
Now in verse 3, he says, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. The commandment is with this promise is that if we are to honor our parents, that our days may be long upon the earth. Now, to honor, this means to have the, the right attitude behind the right act of obedience and honor. And it means to value highly. It means to have a high regard or respect. That is what it means to honor our parents. Now, I want to... First, say simply that I believe that the commandment means that if you honor your father and mother, that your days will be long upon the earth, okay? period. But there is another level to this, meaning that when you read this in Exodus chapter 20 of verse 12, what does he say? He says, honor thy father and mother that your days may be long upon the earth. But what was the alternative to that under the Mosaic law? Under the Mosaic law in Exodus chapter 20, if you found yourself in a situation where you was rebellious to your parents, you would be stoned to death. So not only is it a spiritual truth, but it was a practical truth. You dishonor your parents, you will be put to death. Your days will not be long upon the earth. Your life will be shortened. Now let me even say in another aspect that our society today has kind of lost grip with this. I read an article that said, when I was searching this, the article said that there are 8 million cases a year of violence from child to their parent. I was baffled by that. Some even led up to the, the, some even led up to the situation where their, uh, the children were actually even murdering their parents. The most dumbfounding part about the whole situation is that over 90% of the responses to when the investigators questioned the kids, why did you murder your parents? They simply said, we did not like the control they had in our lives or the discipline. It's baffling. They had no desire to be controlled or disciplined. Um, therefore, they did not give honor in the home. When they didn't give honor in the home, they didn't have honor on the street. When they ain't respecting adults at home, they ain't respecting the school teacher. When they ain't respecting the school teacher, they ain't respecting the police. When they ain't respecting the police, they ain't respecting the entire family. And the entire harmony of society has been disrupted. Now, why do I say that? Because I want you to understand that even though under the Mosaic law, you would be stoned to death for this. This is still a truth today. This is why Paul even says this is still a commandment made with promise. When Paul made this statement that it's still a commandment with promise, the Mosaic law is gone, but yet it is still a true reality in our society because statistics even today support this. That kids who grow up in fatherless homes, Kids who grow up in homes who, where obedience is not enforced, they don't learn it. And guess what we find out? That there's no honor given. It's all about what they desire. And before long, they're out in the streets doing what they choose and desire, not respecting the law in the land and being obedient to the law of the land, which they learn obedience at home. And before long, they're being gunned down in the streets. Life is cut short. Even he says here that it may be well with thee. Meaning that if it doesn't cut your life short, it's not going to be well with you if you live a disobedient life. 
So what we see is we see children who are not heeding their parents when they say, hey, you know, you shouldn't be out there drinking. You shouldn't be out there drugging. You shouldn't be out there living this kind of lifestyle. And when they do not heed their parents' obedience, Scripture says things are not going to be well with you. And reality and statistics say today that the Bible is absolutely true. Because over, I think they said over 75% of imprisoned males come from fatherless homes and lack the ability to obey simple instructions. Because obedience has not been enforced in the home. Now let me give you another principle of this honor. He said, honor thy father and mother. In Matthew chapter 15, when the Lord was dealing with the Pharisees, he said to the Pharisees, he said, you did err. Because the Pharisees had given an out for people so that they could basically have a way to skirt around the responsibility of honoring their father and mother by taking care of their father and mother financially. The Pharisees, did give, he gave them a, a way around this, uh, the way around of taking care of their aging parents, and the Lord rebuked them for this. Because he's saying there is no right or reason that you should have the right or way of skirting around the responsibility that is placed upon you of taking care of your aging parents. Now, I understand that sometimes they have situations and conditions that we cannot handle. But the reality is, is that it is our responsibility to meet the needs of our aging parents. That's honor. And that's what the Lord is telling them in Matthew chapter 15 about how we are to be giving honor. And it is an honor that is within us as believers that's put upon us. This honor should be manifested even to the end of our parents' lives. They spend the first 20 years taking care of us when we're helpless, and we spend their last 20 taking care of them. So even more, he emphasized this even more when Paul wrote to Timothy, I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 5, about this honor that is due to our parents. He says, in the matter when it comes to widows, he said, when a widow has found herself in a situation where she's in need, Paul says to Timothy, the first thing you got to do, by the way, Ephesus received more letters in the New Testament than any other church. It received Ephesians, it received the letter in Revelations, first and second Timothy, this is where Paul was pastoring. I mean, this is first and second Timothy. This is where Timothy was pastoring in Ephesus. So when he writes to them, to Timothy, it is to remind them. He said, when you have widows in the home, the first thing that needs to happen when you have widows who are in need, the first person you're supposed to look to is the children. The children should honor the parents by meeting their needs. And then if the children can't do it, Paul doesn't leave it alone. He says, then it's the grandchildren's responsibility to meet the needs of the widows. And then if the children can't do it and the grandchildren uh, can't do it, then it is the church's responsibility to see that the widows have their needs met. But the, uh, the original place in which willingness should be given, honor should be bestowed, was from the child to meet the parent's need. It should be internally within us if we see our parents having a need. It should be stirred up, because, stirred up in us because of our biblical responsibility to take the opportunity according to Matthew chapter 15 and financially honor our parents. Now also in the same respect, I know this is hard to believe, but your parents didn't raise you up for free. They came up off some money, so 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 we. 
even more. The honor that we give our parents, it's not just money. That's why he addresses both obedience, but the honor is addressed in another aspect because when we meet our parents' needs in an older age, we should do it with the right attitude. We should have the right attitude to meet our parents' needs. But even more, he says, now that we have all this laid out, how a children should, a child should behave to his parents and how uh, children as a whole should honor and respect their parents, he says even more in verse number four, and you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now listen to what he says here. He's like, now that we've got all this framework laid out for you, now that you understand how a child should treat his parent and how a parent should treat his child, now that you understand that a child should obey the commands of his parent, he says to the parent, just because you have that authority, though, doesn't mean you get to treat your child however you want. That's not what it means. He said, fathers, just because you have this authority, provoke not your children unto wrath. But bring them up in the nurture, in the admonition of the Lord. Now, context to this might help us. We understand that in order to bring your child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, there is a continual growth process that happens here. Paul is trying to combat society. He's trying to teach these new converts and believers that you should nurture your child. You should admonish your child in the Lord. Nurture your child in the Lord. This means to raise them up. Now, the context of this matters because of the setting in which Ephesus existed, which is in a different format but still applies to us today. Notice that he does not say, and ye fathers provoke not your sons. He does not say, and ye fathers provoke not your daughters. Now understand on the surface of this, it's a simple understanding. We are not to provoke our children unto wrath. But Paul is teaching another principle to the Ephesians. In Ephesus during this time, there was the Roman law. It was called I'm going to say it wrong, but it was called uh, Patria Potestas. Now, what this meant is that when a child was born, they would bring the child and lay them at the feet of the father. If the father would pick the child up, it meant that the child was allowed to stay in the home. But if the father was to turn and walk away from the child, they would take the child into the middle of the forum. And then the people who would come along would either pick this infant up for slavery or they would pick this infant up for prostitution. Matter of fact, because of this law that existed here in Ephesus that was all throughout the Roman province, the father had the ultimate power in the home, whether the child would be sold off or whether even the child would die. Literally, life and death and slavery all laid within the father's hands. I copied down this letter that was written in 1 BC for our own benefit here to kind of help you understand the mindset in Ephesus during this time. 
this man, Hilarion, wrote to his wife, Alice. I don't know how to say it, but it's A-L-I-S. But listen to the letter. Hardiest greetings. Note that we are still even now in Alexandria. Do not worry if when all others return, I remain in Alexandria. I beg and beseech you to take care of the little child. And as soon as we receive wages, I will send them to you. If, dash, good luck to you, dash, you have another child. If it is a boy, let it live. If it is a girl, expose of it. Sick, callous, sad. Another statesman in Rome during the time of Paul writing this letter to Ephesus. It was the same time. His first name was Papri. He was a statesman. He said this, we slaughter a fierce ox. We strangle a mad dog. We plunge a knife into a sick cow. Children born weak or deformed, we drown. I say all that to say that Paul is here in this verse, and fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. He was countering a culture. This was a statement that both male and female were for the glory of God, and both male and female had value for the glory of God, and both male and female should be raised up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. He's saying they're both beneficial glory of God, but yet we live in a society, though we're finding these letters and the statesman's statement grotesque, the reality is we live in a society that's not much different. Over 75% of kids who are in foster care are in foster care because the parents cared more about their own desires than raising up their child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's because they have a defunct value system. They value what they want over the needs of the child who they brought into this world. So Paul says to the Christian believers, do not get wrapped up in the culture in Ephesus. Every child matters. Raise them all up in the nurture, in the admonition of the Lord. Invest equally into them both. Love them both. Give your all to your children. This is something that counters the culture even for us today. That we're sitting here when we see all of these children, even on the billboards who are in foster care, our hearts break. Because most of the time it's, it's not a situation where they even have to be there. But it's selfishness. Even more he says here to the parents who were raised in this environment, put aside the mentality that you are in control of the life and death of your child because of a law. And bring yourself unto the reality of the new law that you are now under. And don't provoke your children to anger. Further, what it means to be a bad father. But instead, you raise your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. This is a commitment, by the way, that never stops. 
This is a commitment that you will at times fail at, but it, it's a commitment that never stops. Uh, when I read scripture, I constantly find myself applying it to my own personal life. So that's why you hear so much about me. But when I was studying this yesterday, just going through this again in my mind. On Friday evening, I had heard something in my immediate family, but my extended family that I strongly disagreed with. And my mom already knew that I would disagree with it. But Saturday morning, bright and early, she texted me and said, are you awake yet? I said, yeah, I'm awake. Can I call you? Yes. Hey, son, I just wanted you to know. I know you heard about what was happening in the family. I said, yeah. She's like, I just want you to know. You need to put all that stuff aside today. Because when I get the services tomorrow, I don't want to hear about the things that's going on here. I want to hear what the Lord has given you to feed us. I need you to focus on the Lord and put all those other things aside. I'm 38 years old. I've been out of my mother's house for 20 years. And because she's the mother that she is, she is still constantly still trying to raise me up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. She's constantly trying to remind me to get back to the Lord, to focus on the Lord. And that is the responsibility for us as parents, even when our kids are grown. We have to learn as our kids grow, they become their own men. And we have to learn to reach our kids in a loving way. It doesn't mean that the truth's not hard, but in a manner that we're not provoking them to anger, but yet in the same manner where we're calling them back to the Lord. It's strategy. <laughs> And it's all the outpouring of what? Verse number 18, of having a spirit-filled life. You cannot be the husband that you're supposed to be unless you're spirit-filled. You can't be the wife you're supposed to be unless you're spirit-filled. You can't be the child that you're supposed to be unless you're spirit-filled. And you'll never be the parent that you're supposed to be unless you're spirit-filled. It's the only way we can even hold to these great truths that Paul is pouring out for us in the walk that he's calling us to have. Because the war with the flesh is so real, but, but when we subject ourselves in where he says in verse 18, and be not drunk with wine, wearing his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. When we continually return to God's Word and, and find ourselves filled with his Spirit, we will find ourselves being the best husbands, fathers, wives, children, and parents. We'll find ourselves being the parents, husbands, fathers, wives, and children that God has called us to be. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give thanks to you for your word constantly challenging us, constantly calling us to be better, to be more, not for our sake, but for your sake, so that you will further get the glory so that we can stand in a community of fatherless homes and say that amongst believers, fathers are standing true. Fathers are leading their children in the home, that we may say that while they're in this world in which we live, kids are rebellious and speaking out and, 
and not heeding the commandments of their parents. We can say in the Christian home that our children are behaving godly and heeding the advice of their parents because they want to, they want to bring honor to you. It is all in your name. Lord, be with us as we even prepare to go next door in fellowship one with another. I give thanks to you for all those who invested and cooked and prepared, Lord. And I love the Winton Place Baptist Church, Lord, and I pray that you will draw us together. I pray that you, through us, the unity that we find here, that we will embark on a journey in years to come that will bring further glory to your name. We give thanks to you for everything you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.